0: What's up, HyperFast Fascination? On this episode of the show, I had a return guest who has a real estate business in Orlando, Florida, that for the past two years has generated over a million dollars in net income. That's net income, not revenue. But what's more amazing about him is what he has done away from the real estate industry. And in terms of helping other people, we got into that a little bit. Uh, stay tuned for Dan Grebe. All right, welcome to the show, Dan. Second time, you were on episode 40 back uh, near the beginning of this podcast series.
1: Well, glad to be back. Thank you for having me.
0: So uh, give us a little update. That was about two years ago, I think, a little over two years ago since we did that interview. Uh, What has transpired in your business the last couple of years? And what are you excited about uh, going forward here in 2022?
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of cool things have happened. Obviously in the last two years, we've had the best two years in the history of real estate, the biggest levels of appreciation in the histories of real estate. And, you know, at the same time, I had switched my business over to being a profits first business where the only thing that mattered, the only conversations we've been having was profits and then boom, we we landed in the best seasons to be profitable. So last two years, um, I've profited over a million dollars a year for the last two years, which is, you know, the goal of any real estate business. And we've really gotten really good at investing and mitigating taxes. Um, What I'm most excited about as we move into the next season of our business is I've brought on a business partner and I'm on a five year plan to kind of uh, earn my way out of real estate. Uh, I will have hit the numbers I need to hit financially. So that at 52 years old, I will be able to fully retire and just work because I want to, not because I have to.
0: Amazing. So there's a lot to unpack there and and a lot of cool things we should dig into more. I heard you say profit first. Did you did you read the book uh, profit first at all or or is that just a philosophy you had?
1: Well, I read the book and I've had and I have the philosophy. Um, I've always thought that in real estate. We chase the wrong targets. And we. Uh, there's a saying that says, you know, what's a guaranteed way to miss an important goal? And that is find an easier goal. Well, mm-hmm. that's a guaranteed way for you to not be successful is point to something that makes you feel successful, but isn't successful. And in our industry, you don't get an award for being profitable. You get an award for having the most listings, the most volume, the most transactions, but profitability is a conversation that's never really had. And what that actually does is leave you in a place of codependence to the industry and to your brokerage that, that I no longer wanted. Um, So I went on this journey of structuring my business in a way that uh, focused on profitability, that focused on, you know, doing the right things day in and day out that gave me the ability to retire young and retire rich. And I'm happy to report I have, a uh, plan to get there, and I'm uh, well, well along the way.
0: And yeah, we we read the the book Profit First actually right before COVID, so it was a good time to to implement some of the learnings and philosophies in it. And you know, I, I hear this uh, or I've heard this phrase before that I think you would probably uh, or probably resonate with you. Revenue is vanity, profit is sanity. And I yes. and I think for some reason. Real estate agents have a hard time with that. And you you got at it that there's no award for profitability, but there's tons of awards for volume and you know that those kind of metrics. Uh, why do you think the, the focus is is so off in, in the industry as a whole?
1: Well, I think the focus is going to change in the next couple of years as we start seeing this transition from this concept of brokerage to what they're calling teamerage, right? So instead of the big brokerage to the team, um, and the conversations have just now drifted down to agents because before brokers were well aware of their profitability, but see, they didn't want you to be aware of your profitability because you might not stay at that brokerage or you might renegotiate your commission split, or you might question the value that that brokerage was giving you. So from an industry wide, you know, these, um, these metrics were always there to keep you in the game and to keep you kind of enslaved in the process. Um, and, and we see that. Here's a stat that, um, that my friend uh, Tom Ferry shared with me about four years ago when I went on this journey. He said, of the top 1% of all real estate agents in the country, 90% of them are broke. Mm. <laughs> so when you look up on stage and you see that person that's selling all those houses and doing all those things, that person doesn't have six months of reserves in the bank account. If If they went on some type of, Six months with no income, they would be onto a credit card, probably sooner than that. Um, those people that are that are driving those really expensive cars, living in those really expensive houses, they're so overly leveraged that if they don't hit the same number next year, or the market resets. We're going to hear about them uh, working at Starbucks or somewhere else, and that's that's a real truth. And it, and it's not the agent's fault, actually, in my opinion it's actually our industry's fault because our industry has taught us to chase these metrics, you know, chase more listings at any cost. Zillow's aware of how much money is in a real estate transaction. That's why they're willing to take a third of it from you and allow you to go. And some of these agents are selling thousands and thousands of homes with losing 30% of their commission right off the top, you know, um, open doors, aware of that. That's the reason why they went to a 1% structure because they know you can be successful at 1% and they're pulling it back. So many uh, people knew that. Um, The best real estate agents are aware of it now. Uh, The best models for for being a profitable business is actually a smaller business, not a larger business where the rainmaker is actually still out there selling real estate. But those are just not the conversations that have been had in the past, Um, but those are the conversations of the future. They'll have to be had. Especially as we start dealing with this commission um, compression that is coming with uh, the consolidated consolidation of services.
0: What do you think is the key to get from like two hundred and fifty k of income in this in this business, which only about one percent or so hit two hundred and fifty, right? Or you know, according to NAR, National Association of Realtors. So how do you? What do you think it, it it takes, or what do you think the keys are to get from two hundred and fifty to a million in net profit? Which my guess is there's only a few hundred agents, you know, probably less than five hundred in the nation that are doing that, you know, in this team model.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I have a few thoughts on that. Number one is um, we we still live in a world that will one day go away of very, very high levels of uh, commission, and when I say that. If you look at any other sales industry, nobody gets paid like we do, just reality. Um, The next thing is, is recognizing what you're building. And and Dan, I mean, obviously you and some of your listeners, you could buy my business. If I offered to sell it to you, you could buy it. But the reality is I can document and and show you that I made a million dollars profit last year, um, more than that this year. Um, And and if I went to you and said, Dan, come buy my business for a million dollars and I'm gonna leave, you wouldn't buy it. If you went up to my number one administrative person and said, Dan Greaves leaving the company tomorrow and someone else has taken over. Do you still work here? They probably say no. If you go up to my number one salesperson and say, uh, you know, Dan Greaves leaving the company, never coming back. Do you still work here? They probably say no. So what we need to recognize first is that we're not building a scalable business that we're one day going to sell. Like you would a traditional business. Like if you owned a uh, a, a property management company would be close, uh, an AC company, um, something that involved contracts. You, the way in which you'd scale that is similar to ours, but the purpose is different. We have a very large high margin that we can make per sale as a team owner, but we really can't sell our, our, our business for much money. And if we were, we would sell it in, through what's called an earnout, which means we'd have to stay involved as we were getting paid. That's not a typical business model
0: and, the, and the, the multiples are low on it too if, if you were able to to sell it you mentioned the earn out but you know the the team model like maybe a bigger team you could get like a 2x but you know a lot of these are selling for like one, 1. 1.2 on the multiple and then it's, it's kind of like well you could you could just do it another year and make that you know so, i've
1: been selling real estate for 17 years and i'm familiar with many people that have quote sold their business and they're still involved in their business today They're still consulting, coaching, building, repairing, solving problems within that business. So they never actually sold their business. They didn't sell their business and move to some tropical island. They they got they got to step away and they receive less money, but they still are involved less. So it's it's the idea of a sale is there, but nobody's writing a big check. And if you get, if you could get one time your earnings, that would be a lot for you to like literally, we're talking sell your business, like. Just like when you sell your house, you don't have to go back and fix the plumbing. Once you sell it, you're gone, you're out. It's no longer yours. That's not how this works. But when you come to that reality that you're not gonna be selling this for a profit later, then all of a sudden, the way in which you manage your business changes. And that's the real freeing freeing place. In my world, I recognize the most profitable thing that Dan Greep can do is sell real estate. So I have a business partner that runs the day-to-day operation and I sell real estate. So going back to your original question, how do you go from 250 to a million dollars in profit? Uh, not revenue, profit. Well, number one is you build a really amazing administrative team. So a lot of people go out and they hire uh, uh, buyer's agents, like hire a buyer's agent. They get an admin person, then a buyer's agent. Well, if you are not completely and absolutely at full bandwidth with the amount of buyers and sellers you can work with, and you hire a buyer's agent, then what ends up happening is you end up paying them 50% of your commission so you can solve their problems. Or you could just hire a $40,000 admin person to do the administrative work that frees you up to go work with those buyers. The only time you get to a buyer agent in my thought process is after you've hired two to maybe three admin people, one of them being a showing assistant, and now all you're gonna do is focus on listings. That's the fastest path to a million dollars because you're either going to be prospecting for a new business in terms of real estate, or you're always going to be prospecting for new agents. And now you're either, you know, negotiating the process of the sales process, or you're negotiating the building of an agent process, the training, the, uh, the, uh, well, bringing them on training them, motivating them, keeping them focused, retaining them to your company. Um, and in my world, we just decided that Um, I would, I would allow my business partner to run the day-to-day operations. She does, she does a great job. The agents that work for us pay the bills and I generate my profit. So if I sell seven homes a month with an administrative assistant that does the majority of the paperwork side for me, then that's a path to $83,000 a month in profit. It's easy to see.
0: What, uh, what, what size is your team? Like how, how many people did it take to get to that, that million dollar net?
1: Well, we have, you know, again, how many people is a very deceiving question mm. because the amount of people sounds, um, it, it, can, it can entice you into thinking, I want that, right? So organizationally, I have 22, agent, uh, 22 people. Of that, I have uh, 18 agents, but in true productivity, you know, it's an 80-20 factor, right? Um, in true productivity you know, of 18, we would say 11 of them are very productive. The rest of them are marginal. And that's there, there's some healthy turnover that occurs there. Um, I, I think. That's still identity- pretty amazing
0: though. With about 20 people, you can, you can create a business that, that generates a million dollars, you know, net, net, net profit a year, not, not, and, and of those 20 people, you know, only only a handful right a third of them are are on a fixed salary overhead correct
1: right well I think that you change the conversation too right so in my world um, we stop talking and you know I'm at Keller Williams and it doesn't matter what brokerage you're at real estate is real estate and how you do it is how you do it um, Keller Williams is the only one that really has a book where you can go and look at models and systems and and decide how you want to implement them into your business and I I believe in the Keller Williams models and systems. I believe in the processes of that. When I was at REMAX, I was reading the Keller Williams book because it was the only book available. And it still is the only real book available um, at this level. But with that being said, I stopped having conversations with the agents that work with me about making a million dollars. They're so disconnected from where they are to becoming a millionaire and making a million dollars in profit that they don't even really give it enough effort to, to even get over the hump. So here we know that, you know, and this is a good good thing for you to try. In your hometown, go Google what the chief of police in your town makes. In my town, the chief of police makes $115,000 a year. That person has been working here for the city for 30 years. That person has a master's degree. That person has gone to like all these FBI specialized classes. And that one person makes $100,000. That's his annual salary. Okay. Google what the chief of police or the chief of the fire department looks, look at their tenure and then ask yourself, why don't I just set my original benchmark to make more than them? So on my team, we now only focus on getting all of our agents to hundred thousand dollars. Now hundred thousand dollars a year can give you a great life in Orlando, Florida, and you know, where you're from and in Maryland, DC, I mean, you're, you know, that's like, uh, entry level salaries at the end, but, um, But here that could give you a great life. And if I can get your floor, you know, if your ceiling is a hundred thousand and I can get you there, now I can make that ceiling of a hundred thousand your floor. Now I can really build to 250. If I can get you to 250, now i got a real chance to get you to half a million. If I can get you to half a million, then a million is possible because it's not about what you do. It's never going to be about what you do. It's about who you become in the process, the way in which you think, the way in which you act, the way in which you use leverage. That's the... That's the difference. It's not about working harder, especially when you start getting in the hundreds of transactions that it requires to get there. Um, those are my thoughts.
0: No, I, I agree totally. I, I love how you've, you've built your team to a million and helping bring so many other people along. I do wanna mention uh, that you will be one of the speakers at our Hyperfast Summit in Boca Raton, Florida, February 1st and 2nd. And the, the whole theme of that conference, that event is going to be really how to scale a real estate business, a profitable one, how to get control of your time. And, you know, it's, it's amazing to have speakers like you coming, you know, real life practitioners. Uh, if you're listening to this and haven't got your tickets yet or checked it out, you can go to hfasummit.com. Again, that's hfasummit.com. If you use the, uh, the code PODCAST25, you actually get 25% off your tickets. So again, go to hfasummit.com. Use the code PODCAST25. Uh, Dan, I'd also like to take a few minutes to talk about some of the, the things you've achieved and, and done outside of, of real estate. Because you know what you've done in the real estate industry and the lives you've helped there in itself is amazing. But you know that, that that's just a small slice of the pie really
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and I, and I think what you're probably most known for now is, is really what you've done in the Ironman world and and um so why don't, you, why don't you tell folks a little bit about that because i think it's it's truly inspirational what you can do when you secure the financial side of things you know and you have other you know time and, and money to pursue some of the things that you do
1: well, that's awesome yeah great segue so let's just kind of theme this time while we're talking (laughs) called success is not about what you do it's about who you become in the process because you're going to hear me say that a number of times you know um about eight years ago I woke up um well before I say that um, I grew up super poor I grew up you know abused by my dad and grew up a lot of issues alcoholism drugs violence all that crazy stuff and um and I, I got out. I got out of New York where I grew up. Got down to Florida. Started building a life for myself. And wanted to just have something different. My my stated goal, my life goal, is to change my family tree. That is my goal. You know, I, I recognize that I can't change, you know, my grandfather's, my father's, my brothers, my uncle, uh, my my parents that generation. I can't do much with that. But everything that passes through me, I wanted to be different. So I, I became a police officer. I did that. And then I got into real estate. And I, and I had success. And, and in that success, you know, I wanted a few things. I, I literally wrote this down. I wanted to be everything to my wife that my dad was never to my mom. I wanted to be everything to my children that my dad was never to me. I wanted to run a business that supported people for being loyal and kind and, and doing the right thing. I wanted to have a relationship with my God. And, and I just wanted to become a good human being. I didn't want to be what my last name represented, which was trouble. I wanted to be something better than that. So fast forward into my real estate journey, you know, I'm 10, 12 years in, and I am you know, on my way. I'm, I'm a millionaire in terms of net worth, but I've never made a million dollars in one year. I, um, I have a marriage. I've been married for 17 years, 15 years, and, and we're happily married. I've got great relationship with my kids. I've got a great relationship with, with my god and i've got i've got people that enjoy working with me and i really enjoy working with them and I, and I and i look in the mirror and i'm 310 pounds between 320 and 310 and and i said to myself like you know i, I gotta be able to have something better than this but i really believed in this philosophy called subtraction to get this i have to mm. subtract something over here to get healthy I got to give up being a great dad or give up being a great husband or give up my relationship with God or give up on the people that helped me get there in my business and give them less so I could have more. And I woke up and said, you know, I just, I just can't live that way anymore. There's gotta be something else. There's gotta be something different. So I went on this journey of, of losing weight. And I asked myself the question, what's, what's an event I could do that would scare me a little bit that would make me have to lose all this weight. And someone said, an iron man. And I said, what's that? They said, well, most people train for a year and then they do an Ironman. An Ironman is a race that's 140.6 miles. You have 17 hours to do it. If you do it before 17 hours, you're an Ironman. If you do it after 17 hours, you're not an Ironman. It's a 2.4 mile swim, 114 114 mile bike, and then a 26.2 run, a marathon at the end. Well, someone said the average person trains for a year then does one. I said, great, I'm not average. I'm gonna train for a year and then I'm gonna do 10 in two years. So I went on that journey. I trained really hard. I lost 120 pounds. I I ended up doing uh, 10 Ironman events over the course of the next two years. And I did them all over the world in Dubai, New Zealand, Mexico, uh, Puerto Rico and all over the United States. And then when it was over, I said to myself, You know, how do I thank God for regaining my health in my 40s? And the answer was very simple, serve people. And remember, I said this earlier, success is not about what you do, it's about who you become. So I said to myself, you know, I had to become somebody new to be a triathlete. I had to become somebody new that could do, you know, six hours of cycling and then go to work, or that could train, ride the bicycle all weekend, and then go spend quality time with my kids and my wife. I could run my business and do all of these things. I want to give that gift away. And I saw a photo of a guy who was leading a, another person through an Ironman man who was blind. And I said, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead a blind person through an Ironman. man. I'm gonna teach them all of these skills that I learned so they can become what I became, which is this, this new way of thinking to be an Ironman." man. And I went around and looked for a person that was blind. And I jokingly say this, Dan, you might not know the answer. you may even heard me say this before, what do you think is the hardest part about leading a blind person through an Ironman? Finding one that wants to do it? I'm guessing. That's exactly I, don't, I don't know. The answer. That's the answer. It's not the swim biker run. Yeah. It's finding someone. So I actually found a, a blind person, a, a young lady named McLean Hermes. And I went up, met with her. She's an Olympic, Paralympic swimmer, which means she's a blind swimmer in the Olympics. And I became friends with her and I said, uh, I knew her dad. And I said, McLean, um, do You trust me? She said. I trust you. I said. Are we friends? We're friends. I said. Would you do anything for me? She said. I'd do anything for you. I said. Would you do an Ironman with me? And she said, Hell no. I don't like running. I'm afraid of being on the bike. So she refused to do it. And I started to think, like, man, this goal that I have, this desire to serve God's people, isn't going to happen. And then God, of course, showed up and brought this young man with Down syndrome to me. And his name is Chris Nickage. Chris is a person that had started triathlons with another guide and a a, a great young lady, but he was actually getting a little too fast for her. He was doing what are called sprint triathlons, you know, 20 mile races, 10 mile races. And he was getting too fast for her on the bike. And that was scaring her and his parents. So they reached out to me and asked me if I would help. And of course I was willing to do that. And Chris and I started doing triathlons to Olympic distances, which are 50 miles. And then I asked him if he wanted to do a, a full Ironman. And his dad said, yes. And Chris became the first person with down syndrome to complete an Ironman, completely changed the world for himself, completely changed the world for everybody behind him with an intellectual disability and I got to be there front row seat to see it all.
0: Yeah, that's that's, you know, as someone who's does Ironmans as well and's done a few with you, that that was just something really really cool to to see and 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 know you and then, you know, see the result and and just see the impact that it's had on on chris's life and then now like chris's story is inspiring tens of thousands if not more people all around the world so that's it's been really cool to to watch that that entire story progress
1: yeah it's been amazing you know and again. When you you set goals and you have desires to do great things, you you don't ask, what must I do? You ask, who do I have to become? Because who did I have to become from a position of character for for Chris's parents to trust me to take him out into the water, a mile out in the water and a mile back? In open water, you know, ocean with gigantic waves, with jellyfish, with thousands of other athletes around us, you know, Chris swam tethered to me. So it meant if he went down, I went down. If I went down, he went (laughs) down and it was very scary. You know, Chris is 160 pounds. He's a big boy. He's 20. He was 21 years old at the time of the race. He's 22 now. Like, who do I have to be for his parents to trust me to do that? You know, who do I have to be that should the opportunity be presented to me that I can show up with the right amount of leadership to manage all of the media, um, you know, when, Dan, when you and I have done Ironman before, we didn't have to have, you know, microphones on us on the, on the run and the bike. We didn't have to have, you know, media boats in front of us. You know, that was things that you and I never trained for before. And, and, and how did you learn to manage all of the media and the people and the, the danger, not only to yourself, but to Chris and, and his hydration and my hydration and, and all of the other stuff that came with it. And I'm going to give you the answer. Owning a real estate
0: team. Hmm.
1: Owning a real estate team. Because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And if you practice really well when no one else is looking, it shows up. The big mistake that people make when it comes to being a leader is they compartmentalize. And I'm going to ask that anybody that listens to this or comes to your event, which is going to be awesome. And I'm going to go really deep at the event, like I'm just giving you guys the cursory level. Um, don't compartmentalize the learning. And say, these are business principles. The Lesniacs are not teaching you, you know, uh, business principles. They're teaching you life principles that apply to business. Do not come and buy a ticket or listen to this podcast and say, okay, I'm going to go make my business better. And then go make your business better. Like, go make your life better. Go make your marriage better. Go make your yourself as a parent better. Go make your community better by coming to this event. Take these things and apply the principles to business. And then apply the business, the principles to relationships and apply the business to these principles, to your investing and to your life goals and everything else that matters. And for me, I became that person so that when the spotlight was on and Chris and I are on ESPN every weekend and we got to go do, you know, our seventh media outlet of the week and our media outlet stuff had like millions of viewers, you know, uh, hundreds of millions of people people listening to us on the radio on Sirius XM. Chris is receiving ESPYs with pro athletes like Rob Gronkowski, Tim Tebow. We're meeting all these celebrities. Who do you have to be to prepare yourself for that moment? Well, it's the sharpening of the daily prospecting. It's the sharpening of your willingness to become a better leader so that you can scale your real estate business appropriately. It's, it's you saying, you know what? This is the right thing for the client, not the right thing to, for me. You know, um compounded over years and years and years that now becomes your character. And now boom, when the when the spotlight is on you, it's so easy, easy because you've been practicing in the dark. When the spotlight shows up, it's easy. And that was my story.
0: Well, it's an amazing story. I'm excited for you to share even more of it and to go to go deeper. As you said, before we wrap up the show today, I always like to end with a quick hyper fast round. If you're ready for some rapid fire questions and answers. Hit me. All right. What's I don't your know biggest... what questions
1: you're going to ask either. So this is really yeah. even more exciting.
0: What's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate agent?
1: Learn how to prospect over everything else. Lead generation is more important than anything else you can do.
0: What's the biggest mistake you see successful real estate agents making?
1: They get focused on things and not profit.
0: Biggest piece of advice to a real estate investor? Buy now. What's the biggest challenge you've had in business and how did you overcome it?
1: People, trial and error, recognizing that you are going to make mistakes when it comes to the people you hire. And there's a saying, it says, the path of a leader is riddled with dead bodies. You will make Mm. mistakes. You will hire bad people and they will be your dead bodies but it's okay. As long as you get, you're better tomorrow than you are today.
0: All right. Last one. Where do you see yourself five years from now?
1: And five years from now, I will create, will have created a a few millionaires within my home to sell team here. I will be working because I want to not because I have to, and I'll most likely be working with people that are disadvantaged and advocating for them at, at some level.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Dan. If people want to connect with you or learn more about uh, what you do, what are the best ways they should connect or follow you?
1: Yeah, they can easily find me on Instagram. That's the easiest way to get me. Um, they can go. I have own my own charity. They can go to one onemorekid.com or they can just find me on the internet. And I'm different than most. If you reach out to me, I will respond. Uh, no matter what channel you do it, I'll personally respond. There's no robots responding for me. There's nobody in India responding on my behalf. You will hear from me personally, um, and I'm open to, to helping people. That's that's what my life's about.
0: Amazing, Dan. Well, thank you for always giving so much to other people and uh, giving to our listeners and viewers today. We appreciate that. And to all of our listeners and viewers, thanks for tuning in. Leave us some comments, feedback, and share this with other people that you think would benefit. From hearing it or watching it as well we'll see you next
1: time thank you for tuning in to this episode of the hyper fat show subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest hyper fat shows and remember we love reviews reviews help us bring better and better guests improve our shows and give us the good the bad and the ugly we hope you enjoyed the show and we will see you next time